0: But for those of us who are here this morning, not in Disney, um, I would invite you to uh, take, <laughs> take your Bibles out. If you'd like to turn with me to Mark chapter 8, we're going to be continuing on in our series in Mark this morning. Mark chapter 8, we're going to be in verses 22 through 26. Mark eight twenty two through 26 this morning. When you're there, can I get a gigantic Risen King Church? Amen. Yeah. Yes, amen. Awesome. And verse 22 says this. When they arrived at Bethsaida, some people brought a blind man to Jesus, and they begged him to touch the man and heal him. Jesus took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the village. Then spitting on the man's eyes, he laid his hands on him and asked, Can you see anything now? Can you see anything now? That man looked around. Yes, he said, I see people, but I can't see them very clearly. They look like trees walking around. Then Jesus placed his hands on the man's eyes again, and his eyes were opened. His sight was completely restored, and he could see everything clearly. Jesus sent him away, saying, Don't go back in the village on your way home home. Father God, I pray that you would just bless the reading of your word this morning. God, speak through me as your vessel, God, to communicate clearly exactly what you'd like to speak to your people this morning. your name we pray. Amen. So on the surface, this looks like a situation we've seen Jesus and the disciples in a dozen times, right? You see, the narrative is so familiar. You know, Jesus goes into a town with his disciples. Jesus and his disciples are approached by some people with a sick friend. Jesus heals the sick friend. Jesus sends him away, tells him not to tell anyone, and the passage ends, right? We've seen this a thousand times. And if you've been around church long enough, I'm sure you probably have my three main points laid out already. You're ready to go home and pray for the Giants football season. Um, That's a lot of praying that they need. Uh, But stick with me, though. We're definitely going somewhere. I'm not sure where exactly the giants are going, but we are definitely going somewhere this morning. I believe that God has a special and a timely word for us here today, this morning. Amen? I mean, how many believe that this morning? God has a special and a specific word for each of us this morning. And the title of my message this morning is Seeing Clearly. Everyone say, Seeing Clearly. Seeing clearly. So we see Jesus and his disciples enter into Bethsaida, and upon arriving, they're approached by this group of people that brought their blind friend with them. And it's interesting that Mark uses the word brought. Everyone say brought. These people brought him there. And the word itself implies that the blind man did not come here by his own choice, but that he was brought by this group of people. How many of you have you know, some crazy friends or family like that? Maybe they're just draggy places, right? Growing up, my mom, I'm going to shout you out a little bit, mom. Can you just wave to everyone? That's my mom over there. Um, She used to do this to me all the time. You know, it would be like Saturday morning, right? I'm ready to just chill. I'm ready to hang out. Got my pajamas still on. I'm watching cartoons. Got my Reese's Puffs with me. I'm just kicking back, ready to watch my cartoons and all. And she comes up to me. She's like, John, do you want to go shopping with me today? She's like, I have to go to the mall for something. I'm like, you know what? Yeah, I I like going to the mall. It's fun. You know, go to the food court, get some Wendy's. It's fine. See, I just revolve around food. That's like my main thing. Um, But so, and I didn't really have much choice in the matter anyway, because I was like eight at this time. So it was kind of like, I got to go with my mom anyway. But so as we're driving, something very weird happens, right? I know the way to the mall. I'm eight, but I know I know the way to the mall, and I'm seeing. I'm like, Mom, what are you doing? Something's different here. This is not the way to the mall. And I see coming up on the right hand side the two words that fills eight year old boys with absolute terror: Home Goods. Coming up on the right, <laughs> coming up on the right side, the worst place to be as an eight year old boy. And she got me again. We we did end up making it to the mall, but it was much later than I thought <laughs> it was going to be. But maybe that's how some of you got saved through the faith of crazy friends. Not by home goods. even Home goods is good. But maybe through the faith of some crazy friends that refused to leave you in your spiritual blindness and brought you to the only person that could heal you in your circumstance. If you have friends like that in your life, thank God for them. And if you don't, try and be that friend for someone else. You never know what people need. Always be that friend that's always there to listen and guide people. And that's where we find this blind man this morning, brought to the feet of Jesus by friends with some radical faith that had no doubt in their mind that one touch from Jesus would change this man's life forever. But I find another thing very interesting that this man does not share the same excitement or expectation for a miracle as his friends do that brought him there. Look again at verse 22 and see what it says. It says, some people brought a blind man to Jesus and they begged Him to touch the man and heal him. The people that brought him begged Jesus to heal him. He didn't say a word. He didn't fall at Jesus' feet begging for a miracle like the previous blind man that Jesus healed. He didn't scream out and say, Jesus, I need you. Heal me. He didn't say anything. He didn't say anything. It was all this group of people that brought him there that begged for him. Why? I mean, didn't this man want to be healed? Didn't he want a miracle? Now, Mark doesn't give us a whole lot of background information on this blind man, but using the context of this passage, we can infer some details about him. Since he lives in this village of Bethsaida, we know that he's a Gentile, and that just means a non-Jewish person. And maybe in 2017 in America, that doesn't sound like a huge deal. But in, Jew, with Jew, in this time, with the Jewish perspective, if you were a Gentile, that means you were a pagan. You know, you were to be shunned because you didn't keep the law of Moses. You were, you were completely an outsider to them. So we see this racial divide that's so apparent. And how many of you know people do not change much over time? Racism still existed back in the Bible times. It's not something that happened in a recent time. It still existed during this time. So we see this racial divide as his friends are calling out to Jesus on his behalf, begging for a miracle. You can imagine this blind man standing in darkness, hopeless, alone, completely not believing that this Jewish healer, this Jewish teacher that they call Jesus would do anything for him, just a blind, doubtful Gentile. And maybe that's where you're at this morning. You're saying to yourself, I've tried this already. I've tried that already. Nothing is working for me. You think maybe you're beyond hope, beyond healing, beyond help, too damaged for God to do anything in your life. And I've got news for you. If you've ever felt like that, you're in the right place this morning. You are in exactly the right place where God has orchestrated your steps to be exactly in the seat where you are because God has a word for you. Watch this. It's in this moment of complete darkness and hopelessness, that Jesus does something absolutely incredible. He reaches out and he takes this man by the hand. Jesus reaches out and he takes this blind man's hand. Even in his lack of faith, even in his disbelief, Jesus reached out and took his hand. This is why I love the Bible so much. Because you see, in one half of one verse, in one chapter, in one book of the Bible, the entire gospel message is summed up. Jesus reached out to a man who had done nothing to deserve grace, who had done nothing to deserve a miracle. Does that sound like something Jesus did for anyone in here this morning? Because Romans chapter 5, 8, this is one of my favorite verses in the entire Bible, says this, God demonstrates his own love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, everyone say, while we were still sinners, God died for us. Jesus reached out his hand for us in the same way by dying for us on the cross, even while we were still sinners, while we were still full of doubt and unbelief, just like this blind man. Because that means that whole line of thinking that people have that, you know, I need to make myself good, I need to get right with God before I come to church, that's all garbage, that's trash. Just throw it out. It doesn't, because there's nothing that we could do in our own lives to be worthy of God's grace. There's nothing that we can do in our own merit to be worthy of a healing or or a relationship with God. It's all what Jesus already did for us on the cross. There's no racial divide. There's no amount of sin. There's no amount of shame. There's nothing in this world that could ever keep us from the love that Jesus has for us and that he showed for us dying on the cross while we were still sinners. He died knowing how much we were going to mess up, knowing how many times it will take for us to get it right, and knowing that we'll never be perfect. And he chooses to love us anyway. And when Jesus took this man's life, his, his life would, when he took this man's hand, his life would be changed forever, radically. But Jesus doesn't heal him right there on the spot and move on. He leads this man out of the village, away from the crowds, away from his friends, the group of people that brought him there, I mean, I want you to take a moment. Let's let's just put ourselves in this blind man's shoes for a second. Let's just imagine together what it would be like to be him. Can you imagine what would be going through his head right now? I mean, keep in mind, he's still blind, right? Jesus hadn't healed him yet. He is, and Jesus is still a complete stranger for, to him, right? He, he's never met him before. And he doesn't know how far Jesus is taking him. He doesn't know where they're going. He doesn't know how far his friends are behind him. He's completely at jesus's mercy and i can imagine him saying with more and more each step i'm at this guy's mercy i have nothing there's nothing i can do here you know thinking to himself what is he going to do with me but the funny thing is this surrender to an expectation of what jesus was going to do is the very beginning of a heart of faith in this doubtful blind man being completely surrendered to god's will Even when it makes no sense to us and an expectation of him to move is really what faith is at the end of the day anyway, right? Completely surrendered to the will of God when it makes no sense to us. But before we get into the actual miracle of Jesus healing this blind man, I want to talk a little bit about the reasoning behind Jesus leading him out of the village before healing him. Because right? couldn't Jesus just heal him right there on the spot and be done with it? Right? So there has to be a reason why would he choose to lead him, take him by the hand, and lead him out of the village. See, when Jesus performed miracles, his goal was never to impress people His goal was never to draw a huge crowd, right? He was never a showboater. In fact, we see the exact opposite thing here. The whole reason why Jesus leads this man out of the village is to get away from the crowd, to get away from everyone and perform this healing in secret. People say that the reason Jesus performed miracles was so that they would attest to his divine mission, In other words, that they would reinforce the idea that he is the son of God, that he is who he says he is. Now, I agree with that 100%. That's no doubt 100% true. But I think there's more to it than that. See, that was never the sole or even the main purpose of Jesus' miracles. It's not just about proclaiming who he is. or or what he is, but more who he is. It shows more about his character, right? Every one of Jesus' miracles was a token of his sympathetic heart coming into contact with a human need. Every one of Jesus' miracles was a token of his sympathetic, his loving heart coming into contact with a human need. Jesus took compassion on this man and met him right where he was in his life, exactly in his circumstance, exactly in the midst of his blindness, his doubtfulness, his faithfulness, faithlessness, rather. So there they are, picture him, Jesus and this blind man outside of the village. Only Jesus and this blind man, just them. Isn't it amazing that this miracle happens when he is alone with Jesus? When he is alone with Jesus. When was the last time you were alone with Jesus? I mean, really ask yourself that question. I'm not trying to make anyone feel bad. I'm not trying to condemn anyone here. But really take stock of your life. When was the last time that you spent time alone with Jesus? Because this life in this part of our country, I know it's crazy There's thousands of demands on our times every single day. You know, kids got school, kids got basketball practice, work wants you to do overtime, whatever it is. Your spouse wants to spend more time together binging Netflix. I know I'm there with you 100%. But if we don't make time to spend alone with Jesus, we're missing out on a miracle in our lives. We're missing out on a powerful move of God in our lives because we're not connected. We're not connected to the source of our faith. We're not connected to the source of of love and, and mercy and grace in our lives. We're trying to do it on our own, and how many of you know that does not really work out? But Jesus took compassion on this man and met him right where he was in our lives. Let's pick up in verse 23 together. I want to read that again this morning. As we move on with our story, it says this, Jesus took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the village. Then spitting on the man's eyes, he laid his hands on him and asked, Can you see anything now? And the man's response, very interesting. The man looked around. Yes, he said, I see people, but I can't see them very clearly. They look like trees walking around. Verse 25 says, Then Jesus placed his hands on the man's eyes again, and his eyes were open. His sight was completely restored, and he could see everything clearly. Now, maybe the most unique thing about this miracle is the fact that this man's healing is gradual. Right? It takes two steps, two touches from Jesus. We've never seen that before. Um, after Jesus' first touch, the man was able to see people, but he says that they looked like trees walking around. In other words, his eyesight was still very distorted, very blurry. So why did Jesus need to place his hands on the man again? I mean, was the first touch not powerful enough? Was Did, did Jesus not mean it when he touched him the first time? No, not at all. I believe that Jesus healed this man this way for two very specific, very powerful reasons. Um, The first of which is to keep pace with the man's lack of faith. Jesus healed the man this way to keep pace with his lack of faith. See, faith is directly related to Jesus performing a miracle. Without faith, there is no miracle. And with faith, anything is possible. We see a great example of this when Jesus heals the Roman centurion slave in Luke chapter 7 verses 6 through 10. I'll read that for you. So Jesus went with them, but before they arrived at the house, the officer sent some friends to say, Lord, don't trouble yourself by coming to my home for I am not worthy of such an honor. I am not even worthy to come and meet you. Just say the word from where you are and my servant will be healed. I know this because I am under the authority of my superior officers and I have authority over my soldiers i only need to say go and they go or come and they come and if i say to my slaves do this they do it when jesus heard this he was amazed turning to the crowd that was following him he said this i tell you i haven't seen faith like this in all of israel and when the officer's friends returned to his house they found the slave completely healed see the radical faith of this roman officer moved jesus to perform a miracle And if this blind man was the kind of man we talked about earlier, you know, doubtful, lacking in faith, Jesus' two-part healing method actually makes a lot of sense. How many of you are I-need-to-see-it-to-believe-it kind of people? Anyone in this place? It's fine. You can be honest. It's church. We we won't judge you. That's cool. The blind man was too. He was one of these people. I-need-to-see-it-to-believe-it kind of people. And Jesus understood that. Jesus got it. Jesus laying his hands on his eyes and pausing to ask this man what he sees and him having partial sight restored provides this blind man with a sort of faith ladder that his hope and his confidence would be able to climb up to where Jesus needed it to perform this full healing, that he would go step by step with this man, walking with him through his lack of faith. This points to a general principle that we see in Jesus' healings. God stoops down to our weak faith, right, provides us with outward signs so that our faith will continue to grow stronger and we'll be able to understand spiritual things. Think about it. We see Jesus do this all the time when he teaches in parables, right? You ever have to give your dog medicine and you, like, wrap it in, like, bologna or cheese or whatever? I don't know what your dog's like, but my my dog likes cheese a lot. Um, But that's, like, Jesus' parables, (laughs) believe it or not. Um, that's exactly what it's like when he was teaching people. He would package these great spiritual truths and things that people would connect with, that they would relate to, that they would understand. For, for these people in biblical times, you know, it was farming, fishermen's boats, mustard seeds, whatever it was that they related to in their everyday practical lives. For this blind man, it was a gradual healing, not all at once. It was a two-step healing. And the second reason that Jesus healed this man this way was to show that to his healings were not tied to any specific method. His healings were not tied to any specific method. Jesus' miraculous power is not boxed in by any religious method or, or ritual, anything man-made. Jesus varied his methods based on how he saw fit and tailored them specifically to the needs of the people that he was ministering to. Charles Spurgeon, one of the greatest preachers from the 1800s, still very relevant today, and this uh, said this about Jesus' method of healing. And this is from the 1800s, so bear with the language. It's a, it's a bit dated, but the truth is timeless. He says this, Had our Lord cast all of his miracles in one mold, men would have attached undue importance to the manner by which he performed them and would have superstitiously thought more of it than of the divine power by which the miracle was accomplished. Jesus didn't come to establish a religion or a methodology. He came to establish the kingdom of God here on this earth. He came to set captives free and break people out of spiritual blindness. Jesus knew exactly what this blind man needed. He didn't prescribe him some blanket statement that would, you know, cover a multitude of situations or sickness. He gets down to this man's level of doubt, this man's level of insecurity, and gives him the healing touch that he specifically so desperately needed. This healing really speaks to the intimacy that Jesus has with each person that he has created. See, he doesn't force people into molds or boxes made by religion, but gives them healing and freedom tailored to each person specifically. I think that Jesus shows us here the mindset that we should also have in our ministry to people. There's no, you know, 12-step program to, you know, reaching out to your neighbor. There's no blanket method or statement that's going to connect you to all people because we're all created very differently living out different stories that Jesus is writing specifically for each one of our lives. And we need to keep that in mind when we're building relationships with people, right? We need to get out there and connect with people, take them out for coffee or dinner or laugh with them, cry with them, whatever it is, show them that you care. Show them that they're more than just some face in a crowd. Show them that they're made in the image of an almighty God. People need to see that Christians are more than, you know, just some crazy group of people that sing with their hands up. They need to see that, you know, we're going to show them, we're going to reflect the love of the God that we serve, right? Not just smack them over the head with our Bible, yell at them to come to church, but really we should be the ones that are there for people when they need it the most because that's what we see Jesus doing time and time again. Even people that, you know, weren't accepted by society were, were, down, were outcast. That's the people that Jesus went to first. And I think we should do the exact same thing in our lives. I just want to ask the um, worship team to come forward this morning. But Jesus places his hands again on this man's eyes and they were opened. Everyone say his eyes were opened. His sight was completely restored. It's in this moment that Jesus healed this man of something way, way, way more important than his physical blindness. Way more important than his physical blindness. He opened his spiritual eyes. Despite his lack of faith, Despite the doubt, Jesus broke through a heart that was hardened by sickness, hardened by loneliness, and he filled it instead with faith and joy. In his book, An Anthropologist on Mars, neurologist Oliver Sachs tells us about Virgil, a man who had been blind from early childhood. When he was 50, Virgil underwent a surgery and was gifted; was given the gift of sight. But as he and Dr. Sachs found out, having the physical capacity for sight is not the same as seeing. Virgil's first experiences with sight were very confusing. He was able to make out colors and movements, but arranging them into a coherent picture was more difficult. Over time, he learned to identify various objects, but his habits, his behaviors, were still those of a blind man. Dr. Sachs asserts this. One must die as a blind person to be born again as a seeing person. It is in the interim, the limbo, that is so Terrible. To truly see Jesus and his truth means more than observing what he said or did. It means a change of identity. We need to die to sin, die to our pride, die to loving, loving ourselves, doing things our own way in order to see Jesus clearly, in order for our spiritual eyes to be open. And before we worship together with this last song, I want to leave you with the words of the the chorus that we're about to sing. And for the next few minutes, I know, like we talked about before, life is crazy, you probably have a hundred things on your mind right now. Lunch maybe is up there, you know, you're getting hungry, whatever it is. But for the next few minutes, just, I really encourage you, let's just worship together with all we have. Focus in on the words that we're singing. Focus in on Jesus And let these words be your prayer this morning. I'll read them out and then we're going to sing them in a bit. It says, Father, would you come and open up our eyes. Fill us with your heart. Renew us with your life. Consume us with your majesty. Let that be your prayer this morning. And if you need, if you feel like you need prayer, if you feel like this message has, has touched you in some specific way, we have people that are trained, that are ready to go, that are ready to meet with you, pray with you wherever you are. You don't have to worry about getting yourself ready. You don't have to worry about cleaning yourself up before. You just come right now. If you feel that Jesus is tugging at your heart, if you feel like the Spirit has moved you in some way this morning, come forward, get prayer, that one step That one reaching out, that one act of faith will change the trajectory of your life forever. Just like Jesus reached out and grabbed this blind man's hand, reach out and grab Jesus' hand this morning. He's reaching out to you. He wants to move in your life in a powerful way, in in a way that you would never be able to accomplish on your own. Nothing in this world would ever be able to offer you. Only Jesus, only a relationship with the living God can offer you this. Let's worship together this morning.